Hey, good people. This is your NI Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I'm going to start off by reading some Christian text. It's Christian text from the Bible, um, but I'm actually reading it from a website. And I'm going to give more to what website I'm reading from and why I'm starting off by reading Christian text as this is not my customary approach to this project. But let me read the text and then we'll talk about it on the other side. A master was set to travel to distant lands, but before his trip, he called three of his servants and gave them each a talent according to their abilities. To the first servant, he gave five talents, to the second, two, and just one for the last servant. Then he went on his journey. The first two servants went and put their money to work, while the last one dug a hole in the ground and hid what he received. When the master came back, he asked the servants what became of the talents he gave them. The first one proudly replied that he gained five talents more with what the master had given him. The second servant also earned two talents more from the initial two he received. When the third servant came forward, he told his master what he did, claiming that he did it out of fear. Obviously, the master was very happy with the first two servants. As a reward for what they did, he put them in charge of more things and invited them to share his happiness. As for the third servant, he took the talent from him and banished him from his house. This is the parable of the talents, and it is located in Luke 19, 11 through 27. I'm talking about the Bible. And in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. So I'm going to talk about the selection of that text and the website um, in which it came from. And, um, as, and then I'm going to do some kind of reflection from that. I do have a reason for selecting the text, although I'm not sure where this reflection is going to take me. You should already know that. <laughs> so let me do my disclaimers and then we'll start talking. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs. And the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist, and half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I borrow tenets from um, critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to power in the social world as relating to constructs such as race, class, gender, sexuality, and others. This project is unedited and it is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Okay, so this morning I got up um, knowing that today is Saturday, that I was going to do a reflection, although I have not committed myself to doing any schedules. Like I 
At some point, I think I tried to do a schedule, but this project is driven by my need to reflect and my need to reflect is not on a schedule. Um, but it just seems like the last few weeks, that's kind of what has been happening. I actually tried to do some reflecting with you all yesterday, um, Friday night. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. And I have some theories as to why I just was having a hard time. So this morning I was like, you're going to connect. <laughs> you're going to do a reflection. It's not that I don't have anything brewing inside of me, but it does mean that I don't fully have words yet. I don't have words or I don't have new words because you guys know I've been in a bubble around work. Um, and um, I only apologize for that because I don't want to. I want to make sure that when you come back to this project that you get something from it. But I don't apologize because this is a true personal journal and I'm truly, truly in a season where I'm struggling to figure out I'm, I'm struggling to just, I think to take out, take some action. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm struggling to figure something out. I think I'm struggling to take action, but I take action based on figuring things out. So once I figure it out, I'm assuming I'm going to take action, but <laughs> it, it really, really might just be an issue of action and not figuring it out. I'd like to, I'd like to spend some time in that because as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about my two dominant functions. In the Myers-Briggs system, we have what's called a four function stack and our top two functions are really our driving functions. And so I'm a perceiver thinker. NI is my dominant function. It is a introverted perceiving function. And my auxiliary function or my second function is a thinking function. It's extroverted. It is extroverted thinking or TE. So early, early this morning, I was reading from the book Gifts Differing um, by Isabel Briggs Myers um, with Peter B. Myers. I was reading about um, the two personality types that lead with extroverted thinking. And I knew I wanted to read about that. Yesterday I said, go read about the ENTJ and the ESTJ, both of those personality types lead with extroverted thinking. I got this book, I purchased this book as a birthday gift to myself. And um, true to form, true to what I expected it, I just randomly pick up the book and read as needed. So the Enneagram, uh, I have a book on the Enneagram by Dr. Beecher's Chestnut. And um, I've been going through that book for about two years um, as a reference. And so as much as I know about Myers-Briggs, I never had a book for Myers-Briggs until, you know, um, two months ago almost. So I'm now using Gifts Differing as a reference guide. And when I first got the book, I was particularly interested in INTJ. Because that's who I am. So I read about the INTJ and the INFJ because both of those types lead with introverted intuition. We both lead with introverted intuition, and but we are modified 
by our auxiliary function. For the INFJ, that modification happens through what's called extroverted feeling. And through the INTJ, that modification happens through what's called extroverted thinking. Um, but because I want to know more about my auxiliary function, I said this morning, get up and read about extroverted thinking. Read about the ESTJ and the ENTJ, which is really good. Um, I want to come back to that. So I woke up this morning. Um, I did a little bit of that. Um, and I was, um, I thought about a conversation I had with my heart coach on Wednesday where I talked about two, um, dryers. This is crazy. I don't know why I used a dryer as a metaphor, but I talked about two dryers that I'm having conflict with only as a metaphor. And so I thought about the two dryers and the principle or the essence of that metaphor was about laws and principles, laws, L-A-W-S, principles, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S, okay? So um, that came to me this morning about the, the two dryers based on um, trying to illustrate a point about laws and principles. Um, another thing that came to me this morning was about um, something I've been trying to conceptualize over the past few days, but really I don't fully have it flushed out, but it's about, um, I'm calling it the trifecta, um, where I'm thinking about TE, which is extroverted thinking, trauma, and training. And for some reason, the last few days, those three things at the uh, intersection, they've been on my mind, but I don't really know why. Um, and then I thought, and then the final thought that hit me this morning was about buried treasures, buried treasures. I fully, fully believe that all of these thoughts, um, buried treasures, the trifecta, TE, trauma and training, principles and laws, I believe all of this comes together. Um, and I believe all of this is based on some kind of um, truth that's located in my, like deep within, but I don't know. I'm, I suspect that to be the case. And I hope by the end of this reflection, it will be revealed, but that doesn't always happen either. But that's what I woke up with this morning. So I went to pull up, um, this idea of buried treasures, I was like, that's from the Bible. And although um, although I do identify as Christian, I, I struggle with identifying what type of Christian I am or what does that mean to me because um, I probably am more agnostic in my beliefs. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know if I'm going to contradict that later. I don't know if later I'm going to regret saying that. Um, sometimes I wonder if I'm culturally Christian because I was raised in Christian households. I went to Christian school. I went to Catholic schools. and Most of the people in my world are Christian. And so it's a part of my culture to be Christian. Um, so I know a lot about the Christian faith. And so that's one part of it. 
there's another part of me where Christianity is not just cultural, it's personal. Because in my Christian upbringing, even though that there was a 10-year period in which I identified as being an atheist, um, overall, I'm 51 years old, 10 years of being an atheist, the sum total of me is Christian, right? Um, in that journey, let's just say 41 years, 10 from 51 is 41. Okay, you guys get it. <laughs> um, in that 41-year journey, I've had some personal um, experiences that were transcendent. And I talked about when you, when something is transcendent, it goes beyond the sensory. It goes beyond what's measurable. And it's very hard to explain, but I've had transcending experiences. But as a person that likes, um, to ground my truth in measurable realities, in measurable, um, uh, knowings, it's very hard for me to talk about. Now, as I say that, I feel a little bit challenged because when I say measure my reality in measurable knowings, it's not that I'm saying, mm, I don't know. This is, I don't know, I need to process this some because I don't think that I ground my reality In senses like uh, touch, taste, smell, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, sight, sound. Okay, yeah, I always try to remember all five of the senses. I think when I'm outputting, when I'm outputting in the world, I like to ground myself in something measurable. Although I don't ground my reality in measure in what's measurable, right? But I, when I output, I try to, when I output a truth, I try to ground it in something measurable. I'm really struggling here because I think that that's more related to being extroverted thinking than anything, than me being a sensor, right? So as an extroverted thinker, I ground my knowing in something that is standardized as some type of measurable standard. And then oftentimes that's based on some type of sensory existence. I'm going to spend some time with this with myself and then I'm going to come back and qualify that. And the reason why I'm wrestling, this will only matter for those of you who are in the type community who are into the Myers-Briggs. Uh, because to say that I ground my reality in the senses within say I'm a sensor and I'm not, I'm an, I'm an intuitive. And uh, But, and this is what I've said before in this project, one thing I, one reason I envy INFJs as an INTJ, I envy INFJs from the INFJs that I know because they can intuitively know something and they don't have to back it up with anything. But I can intuitively know something. And I've got to back it up with something. So one of the reasons why I love science, particularly physics, because physics give me evidence of what I know intuitively. 
because I can pull the principles out of the physical world, right? The physical world is based on some principles and those principles are, I can locate and connect to my intuition, which is one of the reasons why I love science. And then I've gone into, um, quantum mechanics, uh, quantum uh, physics, uh, because the principles located there connect to my knowings as an intuitive, right? But yeah, so anyway, that's all I'm going to say to that. But that connects to this idea of principles and laws or laws and principles. But I'm going to come back and play with that because I think my extroverted thinking, when I talk about having transcending experiences, that's not safe for me to say that. I don't feel comfortable saying that out loud because it's like, what does that mean, right? I need to verify it and I need to validate the thing. And I truly think that that's the rational, that's the rational part of me. That's my auxiliary function needing to support something that is quite irrational. Introverted intuition is an irrational function. It might be a double irrational function, but I'm not ready to say that. I do know intuition is considered to be irrational. Um, and so as an auxiliary, fun- my auxiliary function is rational. It is thinking, right? And it's extroverted thinking. So me, which means that when I am out in the outer world, I need to be grounded in rational thought. But who I am dominant primarily is irrational. I'm, I'm irrational. <laughs> I'm an introverted, I'm an intuitive, right? And intuition is not a rational function. It just is not, right? So I like to hide behind uh, my research, um, facts, science, because it gives, because it makes me as an auxiliary rational function, it helps me to make sense of the irrational dominant part of me. And it's very difficult. It was very difficult for me to come to terms with that, but it really, really is. And my grandfather said, tell the truth and the truth will set you free. I think that might come from the Bible too, but I don't know where if that's fact. But anyway, anyway, so I've had transcendent experiences as a Christian um, or I've had, let me say it differently. I've had transcendent experiences as a spiritual being. And because Christianity is the only way that I have come to understand my spirituality, I've embraced that. Now, if you're a Christian, you might be offended. You might, like my best friend would say, why don't you just embrace it? Why are you, why are you doing all of this word, word salad, doing a word salad to, um, connect to, um, you're the truth that at the end of the day, you're just Christian. <sighs> anyway, but I just, for whatever reason, I feel more spiritual than I do Christian. But I do embrace principles from the Christian faith. Clearly, clearly, I'm not comfortable talking about this out loud, which is why I'm almost 20 minutes into this reflection. I'm not comfortable talking about my spirituality out loud because that's very private. And it's irrational. (laughs) It's just irrational and I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. But 
I'm here talking about it all the same because I think it is relevant for where I'm at in this bubble, this thing I'm struggling with. And believe it or not, even though it is irrational for me to talk about spirituality, it might be the rational treatment that I need to get my butt into action. All right. So um, I was like, okay, I know about, as I was thinking about this, these principles and the laws and the TE trauma training trifecta, um, something was like, go and find that scripture that talks about the people who buried their coins. And it took me a minute to find it. So I went to, I was searching on the internet and then I found a website called Our Father's House Soup Kitchen. I don't know what that means. It's a website and I'm purely on this website because I didn't know where the scripture was at that talked about the parable of the buried treasures or the buried talents. I do have a Bible in my house. I have two and I was surprised when I found that out of uh, maybe within the last year, just because I have not been functioning where I used, I used to function where I would read the Bible on a regular basis. And I just don't do that. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if I should feel guilty about it or, or not. This is a whole part of me that I haven't really, I don't contend with. I'm really struggling in this reflection because it's private. It is irrational and in some ways, it's political for me as a critical race feminist. Um, there are parts of the Christian faith that I have to figure out how to, how to reconcile. And so anyway, so you guys are just going to have to let me struggle here because it is private and irrational. And it's very hard for me to talk this through out loud, okay, in this way. But I'm here because I think there's something that I need. So because I didn't know where it was at in the Bible... I went to the internet to say, okay, how can I find this scripture? And then this website came up and it gave it to me um, from the text because other websites kind of did a pair, like a paraphrasing of it. And I wanted to read it and I probably need to go into the Bible and make sure that what I just read to you was it's actually from the Bible. But let's just assume that this website um, is true to its word. And that text that I started off this pod, this um, episode with is actually the text from the Bible about the master taking a trip, giving his coins to his servants, three servants, five coins to one servant, two coins to the next servant, and one coin to the third servant. And the two servants, the first two servants took that coin and did something with it. And as a result, manifested more coins duplicated those coins and the master was pleased and that third that third servant only received one coin and took that coin and buried it in the ground soon as i read the scripture i was like i know exactly why that came up in my brain this morning right um and so this is this is to this is to the point of spirituality right what made that scripture come up for me this morning? Seriously. Now, if you've been listening to the last five episodes, maybe. Maybe more. Maybe this past 10, 15. I don't know, because I've been in this bubble for a while. 
But I know if you listen to the past three to five episodes, you know I've been struggling with work, having some realizations that um, that's a conflict for me, but also dealing with some real fear or confusion, not sure what to do, right? And so as I talk about that one servant with the one coin being burying that coin in the ground, doing nothing with it. And then as a result, being kicked out, what did the master do at the end? As for the, I'm reading you guys, as for the third servant, he took the talent from him and banished him from the house. Oh God, I don't want to cry. Don't banish me, please. I am so guilty right there, right? Spiritually, I'm guilty. No, but my rational brain says, you don't need to feel guilty. You, (laughs) it's clear. We understand why you are operating out of fear, right? My rational brain goes to my, my knowings around critical race feminism, my knowings around education and social science and leadership and business, right? And the social political world. And says to me, oh, I know why you're fearful, but my spirituality clearly is like all of that stuff that you you know through your rational brain, that's all from the physical, physical reality. But there's a spiritual reality that says there are a different set of principles. <sighs> my goodness. I, already, I can see the truth coming through. And I pray that the truth sets me free in this reflection. I really, really do. So funny because um, at the beginning of 2021 last year, in this project, I don't know what episode I said, one of my New Year's resolutions was to try to get more, get back into my spiritual self. And um, and I don't, I, I know a lot of people don't like to set New Year's resolutions, but I'm a person that achieves my resolutions. Um, however, I would say as I've gotten older, my resolutions, when I, I should say in the last five years, my rela- my resolutions are not task oriented. They are really spiritually oriented, really. They don't have concrete steps. And as a result, it's not always easy to measure them. I did it. But I still do these resolutions all the same because at the end of the year, even those res, even though that those rep, oh my gosh, even though those resolutions are not checklistable, where I can't say check completed, check completed, which in the business and education world means that they were not smart goals because smart goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. <laughs> so I'm not in the last five years establishing smart goals as my resolutions, uh, but they are moving me forward all the same. And as a result, I keep doing them. Okay. So um, a year ago, I was like, I want to get back into my spirituality. And that's a hard thing to do when you're, when you were raised where your spirituality was grounded or connected to formal religion. My spirituality being connected to the Christian faith, it was fed 
through, through religion. But I do think spirituality is separate from religion. And I think religion can help to foster and develop spirituality. I really, really do. Like some, I'm saying that because some people might think that I'm, an, I have a, I'm antagonistic to religion. There was a time I was because there was a time religion, I suffered in religion. I was suffering. I was suffocating and religion did not help me. But I have had to really challenge that and I still need to do the work. Religion was given to, I was suffocating not because of religion itself, but because of who and how religion, who was giving me, who was giving me the religion, who was dictating the religion and how it was being dictated. But in the last five years, I'm coming probably, yep, I would say strongly in the last five to six years, I've come to understand that religion is any formalized practice of spirituality. Religion is the, the practice, it's a spiritual practice that's formalized. It's a spiritual practice that's formalized. Okay. The problem is when someone mandates, okay, so when, okay, so I'm going to say it this way. And I didn't know that I was going to spend so much time talking about spirituality here. But in order for me to really delve into the lesson that I think is being presented to me, I've got to come to terms with the spiritual side of me. And even though it's irrational, I got to make peace with it. And I don't have peace with it. I really, really don't. That's why I don't talk about it. But I believe, and I don't want to cry. But I'm saying that because my FI is tingling. My tertiary function is tingling right now. That means I'm onto something. I believe that what I'm struggling with right now is spiritual. And I keep trying to make it rational. And that's why I'm perseverating and I'm looping and I'm going over and over and over again. It's a challenge. And there's a scripture that's coming up for me right now. We wrestle not with flesh and blood but with principles. Um, hold on. I'm going to, gotta, I got to go look up that scripture. It just popped in my head. One second. Okay. So in the, in the Bible, the Christian text, it's Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and I guess the darkness of that, like, the darkness of this world, spiritual weaknesses, that denotes the wrestling, right? That's why we're wrestling because there's a, but, but, but even if you take the darkness out of that, right? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're really wrestling with spirituality when we're wrestling. We're not riding on it, right? Oh my gosh, that goes right to the, the two dryers metaphor. <sighs> I'm all over the place. I don't even know if you guys can follow me, but bear with me because this is really organic. I'm having a quite an organic reflection right now. And I do want to tell you about those two dryers. Um, but I wanted to get back to this, this, the, the parables. Um, let's see, where do I want to go here? 
So um, I've been struggling with this um, job situation, and it could be because I'm trying. I'm, I'm struggling in it, making trying to trying to solve it as a rational problem. All of these reflections that I've been having, they, I'm using my skills to think rationally. Yet, I'm not moved into action. And that's not about a, this week I actually forced myself. I had a really good breakthrough, um, sat last weekend when I did my reflection called the not, not the non-negotiable. Yeah, it's the non-negotiable. That's the last reflection I did with you. And the non-negotiable reflection, I concluded that the job at best will utilize 65% of me. And I did interview for another job and I got invited back for a second interview. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I, I pray that I get it because I, I feel in my rational brain, I feel I need another year or two to get the business to do what I need to do with my business because I've had some recalibrating in the, of the business. And because I've recalibrated in terms of what I need to do, I need to prep for it. I can't just jump out there and go, okay, I'm going to be in business because another non-negotiable for me is that I'm going to have my roll of toilet, my package of toilet paper. You got to go back three episodes or four episodes ago, episodes ago to know what I'm talking about when I say I want my package of toilet paper. <laughs> right. So I have decided now me, I have decided. My rational conviction saying, I'm not going to be without my roller, my packet of toilet paper, my packet of rolls of toilet paper, and I'm not, and I'm not going to be, um, at, employed, employed or deployed using 65% of my gifts, my talents. And so even if this next position, um, this next position theoretically could use 70% of me, which is pretty good. Um, but I know that the job that my current employer is moving me into a job where I'm, I'm going to go back to using about 50% of me. Is it better than what I was doing the prior two years? Yes. I talked about this in the last reflection. Year one, when I returned to employment, I was using about 35% of my talents. Year two, I was using 45% of my talents. And moving to this job has been this year, this employer, 50 to 55% of my talents. And then the assignment that they put me on back in February, I was using 65% of those talents. And each time I'm activated and I'm activated at a place where I'm using more and more of my talents, I'm reminded of, ooh, those talents are in me, right? And I was negotiating with myself to be, in order to be employed, to have security that, well, if in order for me to have job security, then I need to just be at 35 to 45, 55% of my talents. That's what I'm going to do. Because I need to be structurally safe in the world. And if I have to reduce my talents to 30, 40, 50% to be safe in the world, that's what I'm going to do.
That's what I'm going to do. But last week, last week, I hit that. I hit a breakthrough in my reflection called the non-negotiable where I said, I will not live. I cannot be at 65% of my talents. That's just not, I can't, I can't plant my flag there. Now, do I do that in route? In route to using more my talents? I have to. But what I was trying to convince myself over the past year is you can retire. You can retire using 60% of your talents. You can retire using 65% of your talents. Just stay here, stay with this employer for 15 years and retire. And last week was a really important breakthrough for me. No, you can't. So that was a really important breakthrough. The breakthrough I had when I was traveling um, to my niece's um, graduation in the South, where I I realized the system is never going to really let me rank up in the system. What I didn't say in that reflection that I'm understanding now is that ranking up is about, maybe it's about status, but it's really about using more of my talents. So the higher up I go in the system, the more of my talents I get to use because my gifts and my talents are at, a, at high, I'm gifted. My gifts and talents are at higher levels of my training. Okay. So I didn't make that connection to you all then. I didn't make it to myself, but that's why I was saying I want to rank up because really what I'm saying is I want to use more of my talents. All right. So I've had, and then I think a couple of months ago, I had a breakthrough. I was dealing with fear, you know, and I thought the fear was about, do I fear that my business doesn't have value or, and I don't, I, that was, I struggled with that because I don't believe that. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of failing. What I'm afraid of is being structurally insecure of not being able to take care of myself. That is my fear. And, and I've said this many times to you all before. This is the first time in my life where I am being challenged to do, to be who I am as a creator, as an innovator, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a risk taker. This is the first time in my life that I'm being challenged to do that in the absence of security. Because as much as I've been a risk taker and all of that innovator, all of that in the past, I always had some form of security. And I feel like now I'm being challenged and pushed and prodded to do that in the absence of security. And that's scary. So what has happened is that I keep trying to rationalize my security and my risk taking. Doesn't that sound contradictory, though? Even when I say it, I'm like, that sounds weird. My, 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 my propensity, my natural wiring to be a risk taker. And this thing that has happened to me since my grandmother passed and these people are passing to realize, yo, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And those two, mm, 
those two dimensions are rubbing up against each other. And there is no rational thinking that is going to resolve the two. And I keep trying though. And probably when I'm done with this reflection, I'm still going to keep trying until I'm delivered. And this is an example of a bondage. It's a spiritual bondage that I am wrestling with some principles here. I believe it. Now that I feel confident in saying that makes sense. I am wrestling with some principalities and powers, some spirit, just, uh, I still struggle with this idea of spiritual wickedness, <laughs> but, but I guess it is wicked if it's, if it's preventing me from being all that I am said to be, if it's preventing me from using all of my talents. Or more of those talents, right? And I, in in this morning when that scripture hit, popped up for me, which what scripture was that? In Matthew and Luke about the parable of the talents, I clearly know I am the servant that was given one coin and has gone and taken that one coin and put it in the ground. And I'm trying to have security, right? By having something stored. Because in my mind, I'm 51. What happens when I retire if I don't have that storage? So I'm going to sit in store. I'm not. That's the thing. What are you going to do? I'm asking myself. This is. I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to you listening to me right now. I am talking to me right now. What are you going to do? You're going to take those talents. You're going to bury them in the ground for for security. And the other part of me is like, yep. <laughs> but I do know without a doubt. I know this without a doubt. I cannot live out the next 15 years living only, being in only 65% of my talents. I know that without a doubt. That last week was was that breakthrough last week was monumental for me. It's a bad, I mean, um, uh, I didn't tell you guys this, but that reflection last week was me out walking my dogs because it was a breakthrough that I was having when I was walking my dogs and I wanted to record it in real time. So you hear me, I'm a little breathy. You hear some background noise. And then there's a small, maybe two minutes of that reflection where it's muffled. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because I went and listened to it. Um, the last two days, I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm sorry. It may not be the best reflection for you, but I'm going to remember that reflection for me because that talking through that breakthrough that I, it is a non-negotiable for me to be at less than 65%. Or it's really a non-negotiable for me to be at less than 90% of my talents. And honestly, I want to be at a hundred percent. I want to, I want to live in the world where I'm using all of my talents I don't want to bury them, but I am because I've negotiated that. And so that just, that, all of that feels really good for me. Um, I think this morning waking up with this parable, um, you know, hearing that I didn't wake up with the parable, but as I was meditating on what I woke up with, the parable popped in my head. I want to say two more things to you before I go. I want to talk a little bit about this the, the the wash the dryer metaphor 
I think I've already made the point of the metaphor, but I want to share with you all the same, um, just to see if there are any hidden nuggets. And then um, I want to share with you guys what action I have taken from last week's breakthrough. I already started, and I think there's going to be more action I need to take from this week's reflection, but we will see. We will see. <laughs> All right, let me tell you about the two dry hairs. So I'm sitting, talking to my heart coach, and I talked to her about um, kind of trying to tell her a little bit about my breakthrough around the non-negotiable. And, and I told her, I said, when I was structurally insecure, I was spiritually secure. That's what I told her. I told her this Wednesday. I said, when I was structurally insecure, I was spiritually secure. And because I've been working with this heart coach for about um, uh, six years now, that's the beautiful thing about when you you enter into some type of thought partnership with somebody over time, because then you can, they can, they hold your memory and they they hold part of your past. And so I said to her, I said, I said, am I romanticizing that time when I was structurally insecure? So she was struggling. She said she felt that when I was structurally insecure, I wasn't at my spiritual best because I was worried about being able to take care of myself. And that's true. But then I said, but I didn't, I wasn't operating on fear of my own self, right? I didn't worry about, hey, do I have these gifts? Do I have these talents? Um, and I'm hearing a contradiction right now. But what I think, what I, what I wonder is, I, I just think I went through a phase. Um, my ex was an ISTJ. All of the people in my family that I go to for counsel are all censors. All of them. I'm back in a profession with educators who are quite risk averse. Now, all educators aren't censors, but education is pretty much a sensory as an SI industry. Introverted sensing is an SI industry. So I have all of this SI-ness around me. And I think, I think it has clouded my my judgment, I have not had an opportunity to have role models, intuitive role models. I don't have a lot of them. And I especially don't have introverted intuitive role models. And I think about the introverted intuitives that I know. They're younger. They don't have a secure life. Um... And one thing I have come to realize as I've been back in my industry at the level I am, I realized in the social world, people deal with you based on your occupation. People see your worth. They respect your intellect based on your occupation. So I can see a difference in how people respond to me now versus when I was structurally insecure. And as a as an eight, I don't know if this is an INTJ identity issue, but as a type eight, I don't want to feel insecure. And I don't want to feel less than. I don't want to be treated as I'm less than. Now, is that something I have to spiritually work on? I don't know. 
But I know that that's another reason why I've been, I think I've been distracted and for the past few, three years. So anyway, so I'm talking to her about the, I said, I told her, I said, I said, I came back into employment to get secure so that I could work on my business. I said, but I'm realizing that the more time I spend in, in, in employment, the more I'm being drawn into that world and the less I'm being drawn into my business world because it has gotten to a point now where I can't even see any, I can't even look at my business model as being viable. I, that's unbelievable because for 20 years I functioned with this business scope. Now has the business evolved? Absolutely. But the short end of it is that there's been a business model and I have lived in it and lived off of it for some time until I hit that structural insecurity. I go back into employment to get secure, to go back into the business world. But instead of me going back into the business world, I'm thinking I'm becoming more and more lulled and drawn into employment. Now, not only am I in employment, now I'm like, how do I rank up and become a, get to the high levels of that space? And the more I think about ranking up in that system, the less I'm thinking about my business. And that would be fine, actually, except where am I going to use my talents? So where am I most going to use those talents? That employment world is not going to use my all of my talents. I know that for a fact. I don't care how high I get. Here's why. This morning, another thing I did this morning, I didn't mention this to you. Um, I pulled out my dissertation. Part of the reason why I don't, I had, I lost my dissertation in my breakup. I don't know where it's at. So they, they, cause they went, once I finished the dissertation for my PhD, they sent me a hardcover. I can always order another one, which I probably will. But six months ago, I went and printed my dissertation. It's over 300 pages. So this morning I picked up the binder because I was looking for something. I was, cause I want to look at how to connect, uh, Myers-Briggs, um, in, in typology into my primary work with empowerment, right? So I'll go to pull out my dissertation and I'm like, okay, just look to see if there are ways to start integrating typology into your research. And I'm reading this dissertation, you guys, and I'm like enthralled by my own writing. I'm reading and I'm like, yo, this is good. <laughs> this is interesting. And in that, oftentimes I talk about my business. I talk about, I started my own school, my own curriculum, but it's all based on a theory that I developed. I'm reading this theory that I put in my dissertation and I'm like, this is it right here. This framework that I developed, this theory is what drives me. And it drives me so much. I don't even think about it. Yes, I might say to you, I'm a trained and practicing social scientist and educator. And I am. And my theory draws upon that. I'll also say I'm a critical race feminist. And I am. But my theory draws upon that. I wouldn't even have to give all of those disclaimers if I would simply say, 
I am me with my name and I am the developer of this theory. That theory covers all of it. Well, because I've, that's a, that's the, that is the talent that the master, if you will, gave me. That theory, those are my five coins. That's my, and it's definitely in the ground. It's in the ground, but now I'm trying to find other theories to tell you guys to talk about myself. I have a theory. It's good. And I'm not just, I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I'm doing nothing with it. Nothing. Nothing. I'm, I'm trying to, when I'm managing my staff, I'm managing from that and I'm, but then they're like, it's just complicated. Because I'm not, my employer has not endorsed me to use my theory to do the work of leadership. And I get it. They haven't. And so I'm like, well, I don't need to use my theory for leadership. I can go and use a lot of the theories in which my theory utilizes. But my theory is comprehensive. It's something that is unique to me. Now, does that make me T.I.? That's a very T.I. thing. But it's not completely T.I. because I'm drawing upon things that I know via T.E., right? But it's my fight. All right. So in this washman, so in the wash, what I was trying to tell my heart coach with the two dryers, and I'm going to go a little over an hour, but I am bringing closure. Um, the one dryer is employment and the other dryer is entrepreneurship. And what hit me after I, I had the breakthrough this past Saturday for the non-negotiable, what hit me this week is that each of those environments, which I'm using a dryer as a metaphor. And the reason why I'm using the dryer as a metaphor, because the dryer spins, right? And it's round and round and round and round. And the, and the more it spins, the hotter it gets, right? And there are laws and principles associated with each entity. Each dryer is based on its own set of laws and principles. I'm, I'm still in the metaphor, y'all. The employment dryer going round and round and those laws and principles bump up against each other, creating friction and heat and increasing the likelihood of being in that environment. That dryer is not helping me in the other dryer. That, high, that dryer circulates and perpetuates itself to sustain and increase the principles and laws of that entity. And then the, the entrepreneurship in, uh, ethos has laws and principles that in motion will continue to bump up against each other, creating a dynamic to reinforce, strengthen, and sustain that entity. And what hit me this week is that they're not going to feed each other. And that's what I've been convincing myself. I talk about going to the BB&B and I drive in the morning. All right, I'm on my way to the BB&B. B stands for bread. The second B stands for... I say it so much now, I'm forgetting. Oh, the second B stands for butter. And the third stands for business, right? 
I'm going to get money to work on my for my bread my bread butter and business. But guess what? It's just stuck at B and B. I cannot get that third B because the ethos of employment will not let me do it now. But what I did say, my my heart coach was. I told her, I said you're very similar. She's an INFJ. I said you work your traditional job employment let's say for 15 years I, don't, I think it was it, let's say 10 or 15 years and I don't think maybe let's say 10 I don't know how long she did it but I've been working with her for six years so and then last year she finally went off into private practice but she was building her private practice all along she worked her job and she built her practice on the side and that's in my mind what I want to do. Now I'm not saying that I can't do it, but what I what I'm wondering is that well I don't know. I don't have the answer yet. I really don't have the answer. Because there's a part of me that's like just leave the employment alone altogether. And then there's another a part of me that says, no, you just have to find the right employment. And part of the struggle with getting the right employment is that my INTJ8 self gets in the way. And that's what my heart coach said to me on Wednesday. She said, we're, we're similar because we're both NI DOMs, but we're different. She said, my wiring didn't struggle in employment the way your wiring struggles in employment. And she was right. So I'm in employment. I'm in employment and I'm not using my, I'm an INTJ, you guys, right? And an eight. Right, So the eight part of me does not like to be dominated. So I'm in an industry that is all about a hierarchy. So if I don't want to be dominated, I have to rank up in that system. Okay. But I'm also an INDJ intellectually. I'm in an, I'm unfortunately, the industry, education as an industry is not based on, it's really not based on a lot of intellectual breakthrough. It's about cookie cutting, think, it's cookie cutter thinking. It is, it's a sad cry to what my industry is, but it's not about intellectual leadership. It's not about achieving, it's not about greatness. As a matter of fact, educators don't like when another educator talks about being really good. Like there's this group think mentality. Everybody has to be performing at the same level. They got to think the same. Both, both of those. My industry is not compatible to me as an INTJ. So maybe that's why, maybe I need to do my bread and butter outside of my industry. Now that might be a solution. My BB&B should, needs to be, I need to leave my industry. That's, a, that's, a, that's an interest, it's a possibility. But then I go, well, that's hard for me to go and work somewhere else and not make the money that I want to make. <laughs> Because I'm in debt for the credentials that I have for that industry. But but I I can hear this. If you are listening to me shaking your head, that's fine. Shake your head. I'm shaking my head too because I can hear. I hear what the dilemma is. I want it all. <laughs> I want it all. But here's this. Is we're going to get back because I'm going to close right here at the spirit. I want it all. But what I'm realizing is that where I'm at is a cap. Even if I go and make more money, I'm going to make money off of not using all. I'm going to make more money 
based on not using all of my talents. And I promise you, I promise myself, that is a non-negotiable. So if sometimes you got to take two steps back, So, um, anyway, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I do believe sometimes you have to take two steps back in order to make room to catapult forward. Like when anytime I've seen runners getting ready to run a race, sometimes they take two steps back from that starting line so that they can have momentum at the starting line. And, um, I believe that. I believe that's a principle. I think the, the ultimate lesson for me in terms of the, the two dryers again is that if, as long as I stay in the employment ethos, I'm not going to be able to go into, I'm not going to be able to go into the, um, imp- uh, entrepreneurship ethos. I got to find a way to break into the entrepreneurial e- dryer. So if I'm working in employment part time, that's fine, but I ultimately need to put more of my weight in entrepreneurship because once that happens, that entrepreneurship will start, the, the principles and the laws of the entrepreneurship will start bumping up against each other, creating the friction, creating the heat that I need to sustain myself as an entrepreneur. I want to read this to you guys. Laws are applied to all objects regardless of the scenario or, uh, but they are only meaningful within a certain context. A principle is a rule or mechanism by which scientific phenomena work. So a law is a set of rules defining a cur- um, correct procedures or behaviors. A principle is a foundational truth, right? Both industries, both systems, employment has a set of laws and principles that work to perpetuate employment. Entrepreneurship has a set of laws and principles that work to perpetuate entrepreneurship. That is where I need to be. Because if I could do all of my talents in employment, that would be easy. That's where I've been trying to be. But until until I genuinely can't see my rational brain, I don't know if I want to do my, my theory via employment because I don't want somebody regulating me, monitoring that because that, what I produced in terms of my theory didn't come from someone else's leadership and I need to have the autonomy and the agency to protect and implement and grow that theory in the world in which it was given to me. So, I don't know. Anyway, this probably, um, let me end here about this spiritual thing here. I am going to do better. <laughs> I'm going to just do better in terms of accepting that I have been giving a gift, been given a treasure. I have been given a coin. I have been given talents and gifts. And I have to challenge myself on what I'm doing with them. What which environment is going to best allow me to replicate? Oh, this is it. This is it right here. This is the point. Which environment is going to allow me to replicate and grow my talents? That's it. 
It's not even about using 75, 75, 80%. It's about which environment is going to grow my talents. Which, 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 that framework that was given to me that I gave birth to, there's more to do with it. There's more for me to do with it. I got to get it from out the ground and I got to put it out there. I got to grow it. So I'm sorry, you guys, I get into these places where I'm doing mixed metaphors and you're probably like, none of it makes sense. And I'm sorry if it doesn't make sense for you. I'll probably come back and clean it up. But for now, I know I have to get my framework, my theory out the ground. Because ultimately, that is the talent. That is a treasure that no one has. And all of the projects that I do in the world they're all a derivative or driven by that framework. But I'm not, and I believe, and there is another scripture that just hit me. A part of me doesn't want to release this episode because I feel all over the place. Hold on. All right, you guys, the scripture that just popped in my head as I was talking to you is Proverbs 18 and 16, again, from the, from the Bible, the Christian text. Proverbs 18 and 16, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. I'm going to read two different translations. The English Standard Version is, A man's gifts make room for him and brings him before great, before the great. And the New International Version says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Taking that talent out the ground is only going to make room for me to to have taking that talent out the ground is only going to make room for me to be all that I can be. And when I'm all that I can be and I'm operating under the principles and the laws of that second dryer, (laughs) the entrepreneurial dryer, I will have my package of toilet paper. <laughs> Whether I can buy the toilet paper, it's going to make it's going to make room for me. And so I think the only question I have this morning is is entrepreneurship the only way for um me to take that treasure out the ground. And as I say that, I don't even think, I'm saying entrepreneurship because that's to me opposite of employment. But I remember when I was talking to my heart coach on Wednesday, she said, there might be a, well, she said something. And I was like, are you telling me that there's a third option? There's a third dryer? She's like, I don't know. She said, but I know that you are in route to figuring it out. So if there is a third possibility that is a hybrid between employment and entrepreneurship, and that's actually what's, uh, I feel like a, um, I'm feeling a ting, uh, confirmation right now. Because ultimately, I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm an innovator. And I think maybe that is what has caused me some confusion, is that um, my innovation because I don't think I'm ultimately an entrepreneur. That's why I have not gravitated to entrepreneurship. I don't run in that circle. I don't run in that direction. 
And in the absence of running in that direction, I've gone to what I do know, employment. And maybe the answer of the breakthrough is innovation might be a, a hybrid model of the two. I don't know if that's the answer, but that feels like a really good place to land for me, to settle and to reflect on, to chew on, to poke and see what comes of that. Yeah. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to either way. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that theory out the ground. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to do more. I'm not going to be the servant that gets kicked out of the master's house because I'm not using my talent. And honestly, when I focus on that, when I focus on that, it makes everything else secondary. It's not about the job. It's actually not even about entrepreneurship. It's about the getting the treasure out of the ground. And it's also, also and ultimately about spiritually drawing upon what I spiritually know, even, even in the absence of intuitive role models, but drawing upon what I spiritually know. And that feels like a really good place to land. So I, I think that I, and maybe, maybe what's hitting me is maybe this, maybe the third. Okay. Now I, now I have a tingling sensation. I have it right now. The third dryer is a spiritual dryer. Employment, entrepreneurship, spirituality. And maybe that's where I need to put myself. That's hard. The rational brain right now is like, that doesn't make any sense. But I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to draw upon the one piece of logic that I do know. We don't know all things. We do not know all things. So those of us who are rational, we cannot become blinded by our own supply. Everything that's rational is not yet revealed to us. That's powerful. Everything that is rational is not yet revealed to us. So do not limit yourself to the rational that has already been revealed. And to make make way for the rational that is not yet revealed, you're going to have to have a spiritual side. So that's the takeaway, spiritual side for me. I don't know how to frame this reflection, but we're, here's, here's what we're going to do. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about spirituality and and buried talents <laughs> and the ethos of employment and entrepreneurship, um, if any of that relates to a conversation that you've had in the world, Please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I definitely would love to hear it because you might be sitting on a little bit of, you might be sitting on something that I need, okay, for my own breakthrough. Please find a way and share that with me. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com on Twitter, yournidom1, or on Facebook and YouTube at yournidom. Let me give you your assignment. So as I was thinking about what your assignment was going to be, another scripture popped up. I'm on fire this morning. I think I might. 
I might name this episode scriptures, right? Um, but another scripture popped up. I want to read it to you, okay? I'm going to read from the New International Version. Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right. And that's kind of what I said at the beginning. I've been so in this rational space. Right. All the things that I know from my industry and from my upbringing. And that has gotten me so far. But and I always talk about the second half of life. Right. I know I've been here for a minute. I've been struggling, you guys. Um, Hopefully, hopefully that's what I can say. When I look back on this period, I'll be able to say season four because this is season four. For this project, season four was about me figuring out how to be transformed, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I will be able to test and approve and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will for that theory that I have that I know is awesome. (laughs) I just know it's good. It is good, you guys, and I, I I can't be the only one. I'm not even worried about putting it out in the world and having other people say it is good enough. That I really believe it's good, and so I need to be transformed, be transformed. And the way I'm going to do that is by really, really getting back into some kind of spiritual practice. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to really figure it out. And so my assignment to you is... What is something that you need to do that defies logic? That defies the laws and the principles that govern your reality. So you operate, you listening to me, you operate daily on a set of laws and principles that in the dryer (laughs) bump up against each other, creating friction and heat to perpetuate. Your reality. Your reality is governed by laws and principles. But there's something that you may need to do or you may want to do that defies that reality. And you may be like me. You keep trying to go to that other thing. Um. Oh my gosh. You may be like me trying to go to that other thing that other reality, but you can't while you're still being governed by the laws and the principles of this reality. It just doesn't work that way. The laws and the realities for this, excuse me, the laws and principles are for this reality, this dryer, if you will. In order to get in that other dryer, that other reality, you need to tap into the laws and principles of that space. What is it? What is the thing that you've been trying to access, that you cannot access. First of all, I need you to find that thing, name it. I'm assuming if you're listening to me, you there's a reason why you were drawn to this project. I want to challenge you to find it. If you can't think of it now, give yourself permission to sit for a while. What is the one thing that you've not been able to access or do? Name it. That's part one of the assignment. Part two of the assignment is this. Challenge yourself to say, That thing that you've not been able to access, you've not been able to do, 
what are the principles and laws that are required for it? And challenge yourself to see if you are living by those principles and laws. Chances are you're not. Chances are you're not living it by those principles and those laws. And I have myself to you know, I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking this, we in this together. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I'm not like belittling you because God knows this is what I'm struggling with. But I'm, ch- I challenge you that thing that you've not been able to access or produce is more than likely because you're operating off of a set of principles and laws in which that thing cannot manifest. That thing cannot manifest with the other principles and laws. It just can't. And that's my rational brain talking to you. That's the logic part of me talking. I believe that. That's logical. (sighs) I feel like I I really want a a sensory-based metaphor to give you before I end. Hold on. All right. The best I have for another, for the final metaphor is this. You want lemonade. Real, not artificial lemonade. You want real lemonade. Yet you keep trying to make lemonade with apples with oranges, spinach, right? I I have a drink that I drink every morning that's made of spinach, y'all. It's so yummy. There are other things in it. But um, you're not going to get that lemonade with apples, bananas, strawberries. You're not. You need lemons. This is what I say to you, and I'm going to say to myself, that there's, there's something that we need that we need to make sure we're accessing the right properties for the thing that we need. The right properties, the right principalities, the right structures for the thing that we're trying to access. And we have to come to terms with what we've been doing to get it. Those aren't the right principles. Those aren't the right principles. Those aren't the right realities. Excuse me, they're not the right properties. And so... I hope this reflection has given you some value because it has definitely helped me. I know it's long. I know it's longer, but um, it took me a minute to get there. So I've got to go and figure out what I'm going to call this, either principles, spirituality, <laughs> scriptures. I did a lot of, it was a lot of uh, um, irrational talk. I'm going to call it the irrational. There it is. That's what I'm going to name it irrational. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.